Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sticky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode number 40, May 28th, 2021, on this Feel Good Friday. Um, we got plenty of NBA to talk about today. The NBA playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers take a 2-1 to series lead. The Milwaukee Bucks, they climb to a 3-0 series lead. The Heat look dead. The Clippers, another postseason meltdown. The Knicks, they take a scrappy game two win to even the series at one apiece. The no-defense series in the Nuggets Blazers. Or NBA fans taking it too far, throwing and, and spitting on players. I mean, it's crazy. And then you do not want Kwame Brown's mama's cooking. So without further ado, let's dive on in. We begin today's episode, of course, with the Los Angeles Lakers, like we always do every single podcast. Um, the Lakers take the 2-1 to one series lead on the Phoenix Suns. And if you don't remember, on Monday's podcast, the Suns had just taken um, game one back at Phoenix. Obviously, we all anticipated that the Lakers would still win in five games. I think some people maybe extended to six games. I think I think one of you guys said six. But I think the other two, we said five um, still. So we all remain fairly confident in the Lakers that they would be able to pull this series. And it sure does look like they will end up winning the series in five, six games. Um, so, yeah, I want to start off with one note before we get into this. Chris Paul is now 0-11. Um when Scott, or he's lost his last 11 games, excuse me, when Scott Foster has officiated, which um, obviously Chris Paul at the stands, he was pissed off. He said, if you're a betting man, um, 0-11, that's all I got to say. So he was frustrated um, with Scott Foster. And honestly, I don't know why Scott Foster still officiates those games. It makes no sense to me. But Chris Paul averaging 6.7 points per game um, in this playoff series. And Jay Crowder is one of 20 from three-point land in this series. So not getting production from Jay Crowder, not producing from Chris Paul, obviously due to injury, but it's looking rough for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect the Suns to win anything. I think we all kind of said after Chris Paul was hurt that the Lakers would kind of control the series and just, you know, stroll from here on out. People, I don't people like to overreact after LeBron loses the first game, even though he's lost a lot of game ones. I mean, this is done. Your best player can't play. They double team on Booker. He can't really get through it as much. Role players like Jay Crowder can't knock down shots. The guy acts like he's a tough guy. Like, this series is over. It's a washboard. They're going to win in five games. I don't see the Suns even getting close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, hitting on that officiating point, that, like, that's just a coincidence. The officiating wasn't bad last night by any stretch. Yeah, you weren't winning if the officials weren't, were even favoring. Yeah, I mean, they lost by 15. They, they had no offense in the second half. And Jay Crowder has just been horrible this series. You know, obviously, we all know about his three-point struggles, but defensively, man, he's been awful. He's been fouling way too much. He he plays over-aggressive, and then he complains to the refs after every foul, and it's like, man, like, he clearly can't guard Anthony Davis. That's what part of the issue is. I guess they don't have another body that they want to put on him, but he, he has been – he's just had a horrible series, and he likes to run his mouth a lot, and it's really disappointing because I think they would be up 2-1 or maybe even 3-0 if this guy's hitting 40% of his shots and not fouling every single time down the floor. I mean, he's been in foul trouble the last two games. Well, first of all, I mean, if we've, I mean, if you've been following the NBA, of course, we all have. Um, Chris Paul, as I mean, well notedly, always stated that he hates Scott Foster. Remember the Western Conference Finals game four, I believe, in that 2018 series versus the Warriors, the greatest team ever assembled. Scott Foster officiated one of those games. The, the Rockets, of course, lost. Um, I remember a lot of playoff games over the years. I think game seven of last year's playoffs when the Rockets played the Thunder, when CP was a Thunder. Uh, a member of the Thunder, excuse me, and they lost that game seven um, when Scott Foster was officiating. So this has been well noted. I mean, I remember seeing a graphic for every single time they lose. I remember game seven, it was a tw- the eighth game they lost in a row. Then sometime this year was a ninth game, 10th game, and now it's the 11th game. Like, I feel like every single time Scott Foster and Chris Paul are in a game, it's always a playoff game, number one. And it's always a, a monumental game in a series. And you always see Instagram, Twitter graphics, all over. I mean, social media blows up every single time this happens. And so I do think, I do think, and the Lakers shot 30 free throws last night, the Sun shot 18. I do think that was a factor in the game. The officiating was, was pretty bad. I would say, obviously LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I can't, you can't doubt them. I mean, Anthony Davis, 14 free throws. To, uh, free, free throws. Isn't like the only in, like indication of like how the officiating is. I, I, mean, I agree. They, just, but... they can't go like what Anthony Davis shot 14 free throws last night because Jay Crowder just hacks him every time on the floor. Like that's and like, he also, that's... they also go down the floor and you see how like defenders kind of stand like a step back. 
like Jay Crowder is literally like around this guy with his arms around him before they even get down the floor. Like, of course, that's a foul. You can't mm-hmm. do that. The guy and, touches the ball and he's going like this. And the reason oh. the Suns are shooting less free throws, they can't even get in the paint. I mean, they just they freeze offensively. They have no penetration whatsoever. Yeah. Maybe you could argue that the free throw differential wasn't um, because of they were, you know, rigging the game or anything like that. But I mean, it's like, like I said, dude. And the Lakers. Scott Foster and Chris Paul do not like each other. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's you're been open. It's been open to the media, Frank. Frank, hold on. I'm not Frank. It's been open in. Let's talk about Scott. But the beef has been, I mean, yes, for sure. Well and he probably shouldn't officiate Chris Paul's games, but then what are you supposed to do? The guys have been an official in the NBA. Chris Paul's a player in the NBA. It, it, they assign him to the game. What is he supposed to do? He wasn't well, bad towards. I Chris agree. Paul. I agree. But I feel like it's always a playoff game. Like they got to get some more regular season games in. It's always the, these playoff games that where it's happening at. Like, They've had like five. I think I saw like an Instagram graphic where there's been like five playoff games now, out of the eleven games total. So you're telling me that almost half the games, I mean, officiated between Chris Paul, I mean Scott Foster, Chris Paul, have been playoff games. Where's the regular season action to kind of you know maybe lessen the beef and you know maybe you know slow down tensions and lower tensions? I just feel like this is this is getting blown out of proportion. Like the refs really weren't bad last night. I'd be the first one to like hop on LeBron, be like, oh, he only won because of the refs. Like they just they're just a better team. They just beat them last night. You know, like Scott Foster doesn't determine if the Suns can make baskets or not. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess, but once again, if you want to say last night was the exception, fine, but the, I just think that that maybe was perhaps um Re- I mean, look, 11 games in a row. I, don't, I just don't think that goes on accident. I, I really, I really don't. No. And listen, and- I'm sure, I'm sure, um, I'm sure some of the, the past games, I, I can remember some off the top of my head versus the Warriors. Like the, there were some questionable, questionable officiating calls, but I just don't think in this instance, I don't think there's anything. There. I, I think the NBA has to do a better job of hiding it then, or maybe just not. Ha- I mean, I know it's important. I think that probably they have done that because they've only played 11 times. I think that's probably a pretty low amount of games considering there's not a lot of referees and there's not a lot of players. So are not a lot of teams. So I, I guess it is a low amount, but it, it just feels like maybe the playoffs, you, you got to cut it down. You got to cut. It. I mean, cause we can't be having the refs steal a spotlight from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I agree. I, I'm not going to blame LeBron and the Lakers and say like they only won because of the refs. But what I am going to say is that many people on Twitter, Instagram, many people are doing it on social media. And that's why I don't like it because it steals away the attention from the actual basketball. Yeah. People, people will always try and discredit LeBron. I mean, any, any win they have, it'll be the refs or it'll be this or that. They were winning the series regardless of any outside factors. So I, I just don't see this as an issue. All right, so next up, uh, we got the Bucks taking a 3-0 lead over the Heat, which I actually predicted on Monday, and everybody laughed at me. So I like to take my victory lap right now. Um, and not only is it a 3-0 lead, games two and three were humiliating blowouts. Yeah, like, they were absolutely bad. disgraceful on the Heat's end. They, they didn't even put up a fight, really. So this series is over. They're not coming back. Maybe they'll win game four, but the series is over. Um, I think we can take Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo off this pedestal that you guys had them on. Oh, top five player in the playoffs. Oh, Bam Adebayo better than Rudy Gobert. I think that was all nonsense. It was disgraceful, quite honestly. Um, the Bam one, maybe one the one, I don't know. The Jimmy, because they didn't get any three-point shooting from any of the guys in the team. I mean, Jimmy. Yeah, but Jimmy can't shoot threes either, though. He can't, like, and, like, they but don't have We all know the shooting. offense clears up, though, when the, when they hit threes. And Jimmy just – I mean, Look I don't think I blame on, just one on Jimmy, though. Look at the guys they heat play. They play Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who are streaky at best. They play Igudala and Trevor Ariza. Those guys don't belong in rotation anymore in the NBA. The, listen, the, the best player that he'd have outside of Jimmy and Bam is Drogic. They have three They have three guys and the most overrated role players I've ever seen in my life. It was disgraceful that we even – You know, they, I mean, the Heat haven't hit a side of a – like, they shot 28% from three in games. Yeah, because their players aren't good at basketball. I've been no, saying this I, no, I, no, I'm just talking about the Jimmy Butler argument. The Jimmy Butler argument, I still think that Jimmy's fantastic, and I think that his finals run last year shouldn't be – you know, we shouldn't be taking that away from him. I think he, he deserved – I mean, he played – I mean, he played like, very well, but there's no doubt that at the this thing point, is, they were bubble frauds and they benefited from like a they shot 28 in game two and three, the two losses since. So they haven't made threes. I mean, mm-hmm. and Bam out of bio. I mean, I agree. We were wrong on that. I mean, he just fucking sucks. I mean, the only guy I really trust on the Heat to hit threes outside of Dragic is Robinson. Well, let's and Robinson be honest. Had a good game one. Let's be honest. If the Jazz, the Jazz are playing a team that shouldn't even be in the playoffs right now. I mean, so if the Jazz. If Rudy Gobert plays shit in the second round, then we could have that same conversation again about Bam and Rudy. 
But yeah, but Rudy isn't like limiting them offensively because like he like we already know right now. But we'll see when they actually play a real playoff team. Yeah, but the I mean, problem. Guess, but Rap's kind of right in the sense where he's not because when you see Brook Lopez guard Bam, he literally stands basically in the restricted area. And but they do the same thing with Utah, and they have shooters around him though. That's the key. They they have shooters, but. Versus, like we've seen last year versus Rockets and twenty or twenty nineteen versus Rockets, they, I mean, dude, Clint Capella was schooling Rudy Gobert and the Rockets three point shooting. I mean, just, but even when Bam catches, he just like doesn't know what to do. He looks lost. Sometimes he looks to pass and he just like holds the ball like a spaz, and then sometimes he turns to the basket and puts up a jump shot and just can't hit it the same. And it all comes back to three point shooting. If you you can hide Bam and Rudy with great three point shooters around them. Yeah, I mean, it'll be easier, like you said, for the Jazz to hide him this year because you have Ingles, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, like Donovan Mitchell, Conley. Like, those guys can actually knock down shots. let's just not act like Rudy Gobert. Like, you guys are acting like that Rudy Gobert not has not done this before. He's done this before multiple times. Oh, this, this has happened to Gobert on a bigger stage. I mean, at least Bam can def- – like, Bam can defend they, they, they're the same. They're the same player. I disagree, though. I think Bam's Bam is more versatile in, in the fact that he could oh, defend one through five, and especially he could defend out on the perimeter. I don't think Gobert could defend out on the perimeter at all. I, yeah, I agree with that. No, I, I think their defense in general has been overrated. Miami. I mean, they haven't they haven't gotten a stop in the last two games. You know, okay, the Jazz just allowed 129 points. Well, yeah, but they're winning games. Like the Heat are getting blown out of. I, I understand that, but the thing about it is when Utah goes up against the Mavericks. Just, just watch out. Just watch out. Oh, well, they're, they're going to be said. screwed because they have no answer for Doncic. But at this point, nobody does. But that's a completely different story. The Memphis Grizzlies right now, sure, they're a good team. But guys, they're an, they're an eighth seed. Like, this is an eighth seed. This is a not – And there's, not, they're not well, – that's, that's, that's why you win games in the regular season. You play a worse team in the first round. The Miami Heat were bad in the regular season because they're not a good team. It's as simple as that. Because they had a ton – They had a ton of injuries. And then you said, oh, the, come the playoffs, they'll be better. How are they doing in the playoffs right now? Right. So this is this is why I have to say that. And I do agree that I guess I, the, I was wrong. I mean, I was clearly wrong about the fact that they didn't come together in the playoffs. They weren't even <laughs> – they, they didn't come together in the playoffs. But – the thing is about I won't let you overreact to this one series because I mean with that logic can we just overreact to everything they did last year too? Well, I mean let's yeah, just yeah, you did overreact. It was a, it was but a fluke. you're overreacting to double... extreme right now. You're fr- you're like oh like the Heat are just like some terrible team they're going swept. Not a great team. They're not a great team. Yeah, I feel like they're some terrible team. But they're a pretty how average. Who has team, more Eastern Conference championships in the last like five years? The Bucks or the Heat? What they have LeBron. No, the four, four years, okay, so, five years. So they made one lucky run in the bubble, exactly. But that's my point. So the Bucks, the Heat, just because they got swept in the first round this year, yes, mm-hmm. you can't you can't take away well, from what well, they did really quickly. Season. They're getting swept in the first round by the team that we overreacted to last year when they lost in five. So I think it is worth overreacting to. We overreacted last year. We overreacted, you know. no, but that was because he did. They did it the year before too. They lost the the Raptors up two zero in the comp. They were up two zero. And they lost that. We're comparing the Bucks and the Heat right now. Um, yeah, I am comparing the Bucks. I'm talking about the Bucks that in the like past. The Heat, based off what I've seen, even from the Knicks and the Hawks as the four and five seeds, it seems like the Heat were deservingly of the six seed, and that they're not better than these five teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't. I think the Knicks and the Hawks would have a lead on the Heat too. I just don't think they're that good. They're not the same team. I mean, that especially they offensively, they have no consistency. They don't have a guy to go to. It's so easy to defend them. They have like they have no shooting. Well, the thing is, they technically on paper like are a similar roster. It's just the thing is. I think in I hate to go back to this excuse, but I mean it is true. They just like the off season. I mean, I and I, they just really it just never got. To, they just never got back to that point. I expect next season for them to be a whole different team. I agree, but at the same time, then we could we could argue the same thing about the Lakers and how the yeah, Lakers we can argue it. And they and yes, they, they did do with injuries because of the short off season. They were they were yeah, on eighty, never got their legs yeah. under them. They were hurt. And, yeah, but know, then they but now they do have their legs under them. and They look great. I mean, yes, the because heat. the Lakers in. And the Lakers are a better team, though. So the Lakers have two superstars. I mean, LeBron James is the guy who you could just never count in terms of health status. I mean, I don't care how much days off he has. I don't care what. I, I know. I'm just saying that we can't make that same excuse for Miami because we see a team like the Lakers. And, you know, these guys. Got the Lakers, I, it's so hard to compare them to the Lakers because the Lakers have LeBron James, the greatest, one of the top two players. As far as even role players go. Like, I, I don't like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but he's not playing bad. Kuzma didn't shoot the basketball well last night, but he was good on the glass and he was good on the defensive end. You know, these guys, like even Caruso, for example, he's he's making more shots than these guys that are on Miami. And let's not forget the Lakers beat the Heat in the finals last season. So the Lakers, we know, I mean, are the, all the no, role players. Are I know, I know. But at the same time, it, the, the Lakers aren't really – Using this as an excuse, whereas, the, the you know, the Heat are going to be like, oh, we have the shortened offseason well, and everything like that. Remember, 
they so this is the first round, right? And the Lakers' expectations coming into the season were you know champion finals. So if the Lakers, let's say, lose to the Jazz in the final, the conference finals, will will people not use this as an excuse? Yes, people will use it as an excuse that they had to short. Lakers off. are. But we the Lakers don't know yet. We don't know how far they're going to go yet. We just don't know how far they're going to go. We don't know the run if it's over next round, if it's over in the finals, if they beat the Nets. Like we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. I just so, think Miami struggles during the regular season. I agree. I, I was on your side. I thought they would, you know, change during the postseason. I think the Miami struggles with during the regular season, not having guys consistently stay on the court was the truth about them and not having guys play consistent, good basketball. That's the truth. That's what they I were. Think we, I agree. Jim, Jimmy Butler should get some blame. The whole team should get some blame for not adjusting in the postseason, but like we said other than lebron james led teams how many teams have been able to flip the switch just like that and i was wrong for assuming they would that's on me i was blame me don't blame the heat for their struggles because it's tough to flip the switch i, I underestimated how tough it is to flip the switch i think that's why i went wrong I just i think you're just overrating the switch like, i don't think the heat have access to that switch like, they're just not and they that don't and they don't, that's what i just admitted they don't have access to that switch and i said they're, i was i underrated the, how far that was roster. How many how many championship contending teams? Their two best players can't score outside of the paint. I mean, that's basically what yeah, we're looking at. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they can't well, score outside Jimmy the paint. Butler has a, a has a has a solid mid range game, and he has he has some tools in his guy. You're relying on guys like Trevor Ariza to consistently hit outside shots. Like that's just not going to work. The guy's 37 years old. He's a terrible basketball player now. He's not offering you any defense either. By the way, they they just like they're just not a well constructed well, roster. And like Oladipo coming back. Miami's Miami's never been this overwhelmingly talented roster under ever since LeBron left. Like. They Eric Spolsch has overachieved with this with this team now twice in 2016. I went they were the third seed in the Eastern Conference with Dwayne Wade and his like 38 year old eight, mm-hmm. uh, with Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic. And now last year, um, making the finals. Of course, this team we knew they weren't overly talented and we knew they had some struggles even last season when they made the finals. All I'm saying is that this team we cannot just take away that they had 112 days. They had a lot of injuries that COVID was, I mean, just ran, ran just team, a ravages team. So, I mean, they dealt with some shit this year. And obviously I thought they would, they, I stupidly thought they would flip the switch, which obviously just sounds really dumb now. But, and I, in the Lakers, now I stand at the Lakers, Lebr- LeBron James more specifically is the only player who could flip the switch ever. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can attest to that because I was I was saying the same thing about the series we're going to talk about next. I thought the Clippers were going to flip the switch and it didn't happen. So, yeah, I was wrong about that. But that's what I'm saying. You know, it's, so, t- it's tough. Ultimately, the, the Heat do get blamed for losing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're back in the out. Like this team, I can't count out this Heat culture. Pat Riley's in a fan. I would just not count this team out in the coming years. I, I just think Heat culture is overrated. There's a winning culture overrated. and there's a losing culture. You either win or you lose. Like that, that's as simple as that. Yeah, but right I'm worried about Miami going forward because, like you said, there's a real, real strategic game plan to stop these guys now. I mean, everyone knows that Jimmy Butler cannot score on the perimeter. Another thing with Jimmy Butler is he's only getting older, and Bam Adebayo has to develop some sort of an outside game in a but game. That, well, and isn't Drogic a free agent as well? Like he's like a valuable piece of that team. Okay, but wait, let me tell you how dumb your logic sounds right here with the with the you can't win with your two best players who aren't permanent scores. Didn't we not see a team called the Los Angeles Lakers? Okay, LeBron can score on the perimeter. Like Ooh, that, Jimmy Butler has like same shooting splits from the perimeter. I guarantee you, as LeBron, Jimmy Butler is one of the Jimmy Butler hit twenty three pointers the entire season. Yeah. LeBron James has been like a 35 percent. Well, LeBron three LeBron three can score the perimeter. From the, like, like, this isn't even a question. At least this isn't even a question. Butler can't. Butler shot attempted one three. By the way. Anthony Davis can score from the perimeter. A oh no, he's terrible. Anthony Davis, he can't really shoot that well. He, he okay, but he has he has a he has a mid range, and Adebayo can't even do that. Yeah, Adebayo, Adebayo cannot do that. But I mean, you guys are over exaggerating a bit on that. No, I think shooters and they can do it. Sir, I would choose and they can yeah, do but it. But I think I know. I think Miami's going to be worse though, because like you said, Drogic is a free agent. Um, Robinson's a free agent. And I also think they're going to overpay for the shit out of him for someone who's realistically a role player at best. Um, and then. You know, like they have a lot of guys that you said play minutes, like a reason Iguodala. Like, how long are these guys going to hold up? I, I don't think they will. And Dwayne Dedman too. Like, they won't. Roster, they won't hold up. No, they're, they're the shitter unless a they, lot of the a lot of the rosters are old. But I mean, they have some young guys like Kendrick. Like they have Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. That kind well, of part of the rotation. He's he's not really playing much. He didn't start, well, and he, he hasn't been given them. You have to believe, and, and you have to believe maybe next year when these veterans are gone, like the Dedman, like um, you know, they're going to be worse when. 
they're, especially think, if Dragic leaves, they're going to be worse because yeah, he might be the most. He's one of the most valuable players in that team. He's yeah, so good for them. They don't, they're going to need somebody to score the basketball for them. If they can get let's, Kawhi, they could solve a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, and let's not to forget Kawhi. I mean, who says they can't get Kawhi in free agency? Oh, great. Now we have to listen to this again. The Heat are going to get everybody. They're literally just the Celtics of the South, bro. They're going to get everybody. And well, they I, actually think, I want it. the Knicks to get them. But, God, so is Kawhi – I think Kawhi's leaving. Oh, no, Kawhi's gone 100%. I just don't no, think he's going to go. Where is he going to go then? I mean, I don't know. It's Miami or New York. There's like 100 Golden different teams State, in the NBA. Golden the State could – but Golden State doesn't have cap space, though. They, they, they don't have any cap space. So they'll make cap space. Where they make cap space for Kevin Durant. They can make cap space for Kawhi. Yeah, but, dude, I don't think Kawhi that, Draymond's on a max, too, now. And Clay wasn't on a max when they had Kevin Durant. Clay was not on a max contract. Well, they can figure it out. They, they always can figure it out. If they really want well, I don't, Kawhi, and, they can and Wiggins, not, I mean, actually, Wiggins will be gone, though. But the, I don't... They would move I, Wiggins... You, no, they, they have to move Draymond then. They, they have to, I mean, Draymond would have to... I would think that the Knicks and the Heat have a better shot than the Warriors at this point. I don't get the heat though. Why would why would like no, like just stop with this. And by the way, after after watching this playoff series, do we even want Kawhi? He's just like, oh, I'm just so over oh Kawhi. God, what? Do we even? I'm just so over player Kawhi. In the NBA. Basketball he's player. on the Clippers. We saw the Clippers are a cursed franchise. Yes, yes, yes. He's on the Clippers, and he's the best player on the Clippers. So doesn't he like take any of this? It's a cursed franchise, guy. I don't think the best Chris player Paul, in the NBA. Chris Paul couldn't win with the Clippers for crying okay. out loud. Kawhi Leonard's better than Chris Paul. But Chris Paul couldn't do like, dude. This Clippers team, I'm convinced, is cursed. I don't care how bad you play with the Clippers. I don't want you on my team. I want you on the, my team now because I, I mean, don't care. We can talk about them. I, I don't think that they're cursed. I think that their coach doesn't make good adjustments, first of all. I think they have a lot of guys similar to Miami that are old. Their rotations are awful, too. Yes, I mean, that are old, that can't play basketball. That, that you know, They're relying on a lot of veterans who just aren't good to play. And their superstars, come playoff time, didn't perform to a high level. Are not performing no, to a high enough level. Well, they're performing to a high level this season. I mean, do we not? Paul George, I know I call him Pandemic P. He's been pretty good. I mean, playing been, well offensively, but that's not what matters. Like, they're going to score. Right. That's, they and, can't and get a Well, they need to get on Luca. They need to get yeah, And, and that's, uh, that's the biggest baby shit I've ever seen. Their two superstars don't want to guard Luka Doncic. Not only that, though, Frank. Like Might I add that Serge Ibaka is a three-time member of the all-defensive team. So you got Pat Bev, like a four-time member of the all-defensive team. They have, and I went down. They apparently they have seven guys who have made all-defensive teams in the past. Seven fucking guys, and not one of them could guard Luka Doncic. It's like well, I'm sure Ibaka is one of those guys, and Ibaka's not even playing. He played like five minutes in game two, which it's I like do. embarrassing. They have seven all-defense former all-defensive guys. Not, they're all not current, of course, but guys who've made the all-defensive team in the past. Seven guys on their team, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that not one of them. Can even you know give Luke a fight? I mean, God, just fucking sh- like slow him to twenty eight points per game. I mean, God damn. And it's not. It's not even the points per game. It's that every single possession he's creating for someone else. Every single like, possession. And that's what Trey Young does. And that's what Trey Young, mm-hmm. honestly, that's why I think Trey Young is so much better than people say he is. Because Trey Young does the same shit in box creation. Is a stat that, that tells you how much like a player creates for their team. Trey Young leads the league in box creation. And that's why I think Trey and Luca do a fantastic job of, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, they just have no answer for him, and it's just mind-blowing to me. I mean, and then and then Tim Hardaway Jr. is putting up these fantastic numbers because every single one of his shots is wide open. Their, their, their defense is just laughable. For a t- And another thing I don't understand is, like, how did you move from Doc Rivers, who I think is one of, like, the worst coaches in the NBA, to Ty Lue? Like, you really hired Ty Lue. Like, they couldn't have gotten Tibbs or, like, anybody else. I just... I was scratching my head at the time, and it's still just a laughable decision because he, he his rotations are awful. Just some he's of the worst. He's a horrible seen. head coach. He's a horrible head coach. It's just a reality. But LeBron was the coach of the team when they won the finals, not him. Well, he yeah he was. I mean, I I think honestly, you can argue the vets on the team like Channing Frye, Rich Jefferson were more of a coach, and you know Ty Lue. Sure, one hundred percent. I mean, give me a give me a break with Tyron Lue. And I, I was shocked he got a second chance in the NBA because I don't think anybody took him seriously on Cleveland. That's what I was so shocked that his reputation all of a sudden changed like so drastically. Like he was on the bench of last year's playoffs. I mean, he was on the bench of that team. Let's not just act like he wasn't there last year for that collapse and meltdown versus the Nuggets. He was there. He was he was there. He was sitting right next to Doc Rivers, but to disgrace this this Clippers experiment with Kawhi and Paul George is one of the biggest failures in NBA history. Like they they they're going to end up with one. And and once Kawhi leaves in free agency, this will be the worst team in the NBA for the next five. And years. listen, they don't have their own first round pick. They, they they don't have like their own pick where they actually have full full control of it because because they have like pick swaps and stuff. But they don't have full control of their first round pick until twenty twenty seven. I mean, mm-hmm. they could be bad for the next like not just bad but like. 
historically bad for six years in a row. We'll be looking at like a Sixers type thing where they win like 10 games a season for like three or four years. And we've already heard the rumors. And guys, I don't want to say I called it, but I called it. Paul George, the Warriors rumors are starting up. Yeah, oh, I called man. it. I called it. I literally called it back in like like February. And we were talking about this exact same situation. Paul George is going to the Golden State Warriors. That's my hot take. Why is going to leave? The Warriors are going to want to trade their draft pick, which they have from another team. And they're going to get Paul George. A guy like Wiseman and Wiggins. And I think Paul George is going to be the guy because the Clippers are going to want some sort of assets going forward. They have no picks. Start over with Wiseman and a, and a top four pick this year. And who knows what could happen? They're done. Kawhi's, they could say, oh, Kawhi's not leaving or whatever. That's just the biggest bullshit. I've well, ever look, done. wait, so let's talk about this hypothetical. So if the Clippers are to come back in the series, does that change your mind, Frank? Um, they're not coming back. Well, even if they but, do no, but, come back, then what happens? They lose in the second round? Like, does that really, like, change anything? I know, but all right, guys, let's be nice to the Clippers for a second. Just, if they, is there any chance Kawhi stays if they advance, like, one or two more they'd rounds? Have to make the, they'd have to make it to the finals to, for it to even be consideration. And are they beating the Lakers this year? Not the way they're playing. No not way. Even. I think the conference finals would be good enough, honestly, though. I think if they just win the first two rounds, that's good enough. I think so, too, because they have they didn't make the conference finals last year. But... As long as they're taking others. And, like, LeBron's only getting older, guys. So, you have to think about Kawhi might want to be patient. And be like, I think if, honestly, they beat the Mavericks, I think Kawhi will stay. I, I just, think the only way Kawhi leaves is if they lose to Dallas. They're not beating the Mavericks. Now they're in Dallas for the next two games, and they looked horrible the first two games. And Dallas has fans as well. So They have full um, – well, not full yet, but – 16,000 and 19,000 in Dallas tonight at game cool. three. And people, Mark Cuban said, we want more. So he he wants more fans. They could get a full capacity. There's reports, are they, there's like, you know, not reports, but it's like fake rumors about, you know, potentially full capacity in Dallas. Um, so we'll see what happens. Now let's talk about my New York Knicks, our New York Knicks. Um, we took game two. We took game two. Uh, we tied a series up at one apiece versus the Atlanta Hawks. Versus. Trey Young, Trey is balding, um, but I mean, the Knicks obviously, you know, even and I, I want to say this first of all because I hear so many people be like, the Knicks should be ashamed they lost on court, but like it's a four-five matchup. Everyone acts at the four seed supposed to blow at the five seed. It's like ridiculous what I'm hearing. Max Kellerman's like, oh, you guys lost to the lower seed at home, a four-five matchup with the same. They had the same record in the rec- the yeah. same record. People act like this is some, you know, the Knicks are just some Michael Jordan 98 Bulls and the Hawks are like the, the 2012 what? Charlotte Bobcats. I mean, it's like a joke. Let me tell you something. The Knicks exceeded expectations. Uh, we were supposed to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference here. We were supposed to win 15 games, according to And they to keep life. raising the expectations for us. And, they keep raising them for us. You know, the Hawks were supposed to be some team that was going to make the playoffs. Sure, they played a little bit better than they were supposed to. But the Knicks weren't even supposed to be close to here. And we won a playoff game at home. I'm good with that. I mean, I think this going to happen. They're going to end up splitting on the road too, most likely. I think so, 100%. I think this is just going to go seven games. It's just going to go seven games. These teams are very evenly matched. And you know what? It could come down to a game seven at Madison Square Garden, and I think the Knicks are going to win it. I I, I don't like – And that's what I'm saying. Everyone acts like it's like some letdown that we didn't sweep them at at the Garden. Like, we don't have to win every single game at the Garden. I mean, it's it's not that hard to win in the ATL. Everyone acts like the ATL is some, like, death trap place where you're supposed to lose every game you fucking walk in that building. The the Knicks went from having 2,000 fans most of the season to having 15,000 fans. And 16 – They had two starters on this team that have played in a playoff game before. That went basically having a full arena where the floor was shaking, according to the players. You know, Randall has never dealt with that. Barrett has never dealt with that. He's played games at Duke. He hasn't dealt with that kind of noise. I mean, and then, you know, it takes the guys like Taj Gibson and Derek Rose to come to the basketball game to kind of, you know, turn it around and change it because they've been there before. They can lead these guys through stuff like that. And, you know, now the Knicks kind of got their feet under them. I think there's a lot less pressure for them on the road. I think they're going to come out hot. I think they're going to be, you know – they're not going to have to handle all that pressure of trying to win in front of these fans. These Knicks fans think this team could go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's really high expectations for this team because you're playing in New York in front of the most provocative, loud, passionate fans in the world. Their expectations are through the roof for these guys. People think if they win this round, they should be able to beat Philly next round. And that's not a surprise to Knicks fans. They think they have a real chance. I'll like the Philly series from a viewing experience so much more because it won't be like we will be the underdog and if we win one of the first two games in Philadelphia, I mean, it's a success. We split in Philly. So that, that'll be, I guess, more comfortable to watch. But um, the Hawks, Frank, are expected to have a full capacity. I mean, 
it feels like every arena now is just getting full capacity. I'm not Hawks. worried though. I think the Knicks will have more fans there than the Hawks. Or close. Oh, I think perhaps. I mean, we, we don't or know. Close. We'll have to see tonight. But or I think the Knicks are going to have a lot of fans there. The Knicks have some of the best fans in the NBA. Uh, a lot of people from New York moved down to Atlanta. You know, there's a lot of businesses that operate down there. I think there's going to be a ton of Knicks fans there tonight. So, um, let's add, let's look at the graph. So, as a non-Knicks fan, I want to ask a non-Knicks fan how we feel about the series. What are we looking at? What have you been seeing for, for a non-biased Yeah, life? I mean, it's extremely entertaining. And I think that – um. I'm sorry, there's a dog barking in the background, but Julius Randle has been struggling, but D Rose has been able to like, you know, kind of like steer them straight and just keep them calm in crunch time. I mean, D Rose has hit a bunch of clutch baskets. And I think, you know, what's, what was really incredible at the end of this game was the Knicks defense. The Hawks had one point in the last five minutes of the game. And it was just, it was like a free throw with like 30 seconds left. Their defense was just stifling. They weren't giving them open looks. They were suffocating Trey Young. And that's a really good sign going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Knicks need to roll with basically the same game plan they did in the second half. I saw a lot of adjustments, and I liked what Thibodeau did, especially just forcing Trey Young left, get him on his uncomfortable hand, and just co- kind of collapse and force guys like I like Bogdanovich, Gallinari, uh, DeAndre Hunter to make shots rather than Trey Young have easy floaters in the paint and get to the free throw line. And I think that Taj Gibson for the Knicks played one of the best basketball games of the season. Um, and you know, guys like Clint Capella are, are really good on the glass, but Gibson played well swarming Trey Young. And I think Reggie Bullock's got to be the guy defending Trey going forward. And I would not be mm-hmm. surprised if somebody else starts besides Alfred Payton. I know that they like Rose off the bench, but Rose played 38 minutes and I think 35 in the first game. Well, like, listen, um, didn't Derek Rose came off the second else. half? He started the second half there because of game two. So he yeah, will. Same with Todd. played same like 20 of the 24 minutes in the second half. Like they're yeah. just going to have to get somebody is, else. That was the first time all year long where Derek Rose started the second half. Alfred Payton always mm-hmm. started the second half. So that leads me to believe that Thibodeau is starting Rose in game three. I mean, it just probably too, because Noel's ankles. Yeah, Alfred Payton doesn't need, but the issue is the Knicks just don't have another guard because quickly hasn't played too well either. He's got to give them better Burks. minutes. I think Burks and well, quickly Burks is better minutes for sure. I guess, but is Burks like a primary ball handler type guy? Yeah. I don't know. They just need more production from somebody. He won us a lot of games late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, being the primary. Ball I trust handler. Burks the ball in his hands. And, you know, I, I think the Knicks depth, we were talking about it before the series. The Hawks depth is, it was great. But I think the Knicks' depth is equally as good as the Hawks now, especially from what I've seen with the guys like Obi Toppin. I mean, this guy's playing out of his mind. He would, you, you know, I could argue he's almost just as good. One, as you know, and one thing I do want to say is that John Collins. I mean, I, I actually heard from Max Kellerman that actually like made me sick to my stomach. It was disgusting. He was like, "Oh, he had zero points. He's not going to play that bad again." No, Max, you don't even watch the games, buddy. John, John Collins, Collins doesn't fit with this team. No, like, he, was, he was also he in a lot of fouls. And he gets in a lot of fouls. Hold on. He gets a lot of stupid fouls. He does. And hold on. So, and they're like, oh, Max, John Collins, not going to have that bad of a game again. First of all, he's a free agent and he's gone. He's not on the Hawks next year. He got like 15 minutes in game two. He had zero points, put up a donut. He's not, he's not on the Hawks anymore. They're not going to play him any minutes. So then 19 points per game, say goodbye to that. John Collins is out of the series because. Well, no, he, he didn't play much because he was in foul trouble, not because he was but, bad. But – and he was bad in those minutes because when the Hawks – the Hawks are at their best when they have Trey Young with a bunch of three-point shooters. And John Collins, I mean, he does not fit that – fit that style of offense. I mean, where he – I believe as a – I mean, he does not fit um, with that offense when Trey Young's out there spraying the shooters um, and just dishing and swishing. So, I think that John Collins doesn't have a real role in this team anymore. Well, it doesn't help that he's always playing like alongside Capella too. If he was playing the five, I think he'd be much yep. better suited because he can shoot the three a little bit. Obviously, not as good as some of these other guys, but he he doesn't fit with Capella. But so they I don't need, know who the odd man out will be, but Clinton. it'll probably be Collins if he's a free agent. No, they need Clinton though because if John Collins is in on the defensive and there's no paint protection, so Capella's gonna that's, have. That's true. You know, they, Clint Capella's been owning us in the glass. They've been they owning need, the glass. Exactly. Like, they need they need Clint to be in there because if you don't have Clint Capella in on the on the on the defensive side of the ball. I saw the Knicks do this a lot of the times. That's when they really got more aggressive. They got to the free throw line because they would drive and attack the paint because they don't have anyone to defend the paint. Uh, Onyeko Okongu is a big step down from Quick Capella when he gets minutes in there. And then even if they had Collins at the five, it's free money for the Knicks to go into the basket. At least Capella kind of forces the Knicks to shoot outside shots where they have to knock him down. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it'll be an interesting game three tonight. Um, yeah, that's going to be super exciting. In the ATL, it's a must win for mm-hmm. both squads, but. 
Yeah. I mean, I just think – I don't know if it's a must-win, but if the Knicks can split on the road like they did at MSG, I'd be very happy. Well, listen, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the Knicks if you go into it – if game four down 2-1 on yeah. the road where – I mean, you you need a win in that game four to stay alive. So this game tonight is crucial, I think, for the Knicks. I just but think I, the way that the Knicks really turned around last game in the second half gives me a lot of confidence going into this game. They kind of figured out how to slow Trey Young down. That was the first kind of half that he played bad basketball in. And I, I like that. And then I and that was Julius kind of the Randall first. had his first good oh, half. Yeah, that was Randall's first good half. And they the Knicks know that if they push it out in transition and play at that good pace, that Randall could get some free baskets. And he wasn't as hesitant to shoot the basketball in the second half. I know he was shooting poorly, but he came out and hit a quick three. He was a little bit more confident. And when guys like Derrick Rose could take the pressure off Julius Randle, I just make it like it makes it seem like he's so much better of a basketball player. I think he really kind of figured out what he has to do in the playoffs. And you know what? He's been great on the defensive end as well. I mean, like we said, John Collins hasn't played well. Callen Ari hasn't really shot the basketball well. Like his defensive. Well, I don't know. Defensive he hasn't been too great. I mean, at the end of the day, the Knicks still have struggled to stop both guards on Atlanta, Bogdanovich, Herder even, and uh, Trey Young. But yeah, I think that he's definitely, I mean, offensively speaking, he hasn't had a down game in how long? I mean, when's the last time he shot poorly? I feel like we've watched like the last like 20 Knicks games. He's not had a bad offensive outing like once. And that's why I think Alfred Payne's put the elf on the shelf and put Frank, give Frank some more minutes. I mean, I would like to see Frank at least get 10 minutes a game. Has he even you played this series? I don't even play like that one snap. He like, you don't, a, like play, you don't need you know? to play Frank because you have a three guard rotation already with Rose, Berkeley, and, and Quick. Uh, I and, agree, but I think and, I think a lot of the problems was Trey Young was just missing a lot of shots. I mean, the Hawks were just missing three. Well, I was going to say that the Knicks, the Knicks can't fall down early again tonight because they've been falling down like big yep, really exactly. early in the first two games. And like the Hawks just aren't going to miss as many shots, I don't think. So the well, Knicks can come out Trae and play consistently. If, if anyone, Trey Young has been missing shots. He's been shooting above his season split. Yeah, but Bogdanovich missed a bunch. And then DeAndre Hunter missed two big ones in the fourth quarter where he was just uncovered. No, in the, in the second half I'm talking about, though, they missed a lot of shots in that second half of the game too. Yeah, well, definitely. But like I said, like Graf said too, like the Knicks really fell down and dug themselves into a hole for two straight games. They it's were down lot, like 15. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier to do that at home um, mm-hmm. and come back, but on the road, you can't do that. And I mm-hmm. also just don't think the Knicks are going to come out as flat. Like I said, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, you're, you're playing there. There's 15,000 fans. And if you don't win, they're, like they're going to be pissed. Like there's yeah, a definitely. lot of expectations to, you know, to play up to. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about this next series. The Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers last night, Austin Rivers, the former Nick, cooked for the Nuggets in the fourth quarter and helped them uh, win. I mean, both superstars on, you know, both either team are kind of dominating on the offensive end. They're, you know, the Blazers have no answer for Jokic. They're throwing guys like Covington at them because they don't really have an idea of what to do. And Lillard, they just have nobody to protect the paint. Um, and Campazzo can't play defense. There's no defense in this series like we talked about. I mean, each game's been about 120 points for each team. And it's kind of just been a shootout three-point uh, festival. So, guys, what do you think about the series? I know I have the Nuggets in seven, I believe. And, Ben, I think we all have it going seven games. Seven Two games. Six and one. Blazer. Yeah, I have the Nuggets in seven as well. Um, I mean, if they get the shooting last night from guys like Rivers and then Jokic can, like, score a bunch of points, like, they'll be fine. Because, um, you know, Lillard – like, what did Lillard have, like, 40 points again last night and they still they still didn't win? I mean, they, yeah. just, they just have such a bad team, man. They really do. And, like, as you were saying, they're throwing guys like Covington and Jokic because they just don't have like another like who do they have at, at the big position? Like Nurkic just can't play. If you play Nurkic against Jokic, you just he just yeah they just they just don't have like the right personnel to like stop the Nuggets offensively. And this is without Jamal Murray too, and uh, Will Barton isn't playing either. So like they're shorthanded at the guards, and they just still have no answer for them. I think this the Nuggets um, kind of have taken full kind of control after the Blazers got that game one. I, I really think this mm-hmm. series is in the Nuggets' hands now. I'd say it's pretty similar to the Lakers' Suns. I don't know if it'll be well, the next well, 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 um, I'm doing but. some research right here, actually, um, looking at the – so, I mean, to me, it's really clear. Whoever shoots better from three is winning every game. I mean, if you, it, it's really just been that simple. They're not going to get shot 20 of 38 from three in game three. They won – Portland, I think, shot a pretty good – I think it was like 38. I mean, they shot pretty decently, but the Nuggets were exploding for 52% from three. That's what I think it is. I don't think either team really has any answer for – either star or no, either supporting cast. Team, Both teams are scoring. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. So this series is going to come down to who shoots it better. And the, the Blazers are 31% last night from three, 14 to 45. So they did not shoot the ball really that well at all last night. Um, and yeah, they're just going to need, you know, a better defensive outing and that's not going to happen. So the Nuggets 
right now, I think the Nuggets could turn it on defensively, which scares me a bit. I can't lie because I, I think the Nuggets have the t- I don't know if they have the tools to stop, to stop Dame, but they have the tools to stop everybody else. Um, so, yeah, I think the more I think about it, this series, I don't know. I, I think it still goes six. I think it goes six. I think it goes to Portland, back to Portland for that game six. And I trust Portland to take care of that game six in Portland. And then, you know, a game seven in Denver, anything, anything can happen. I think that's how I view it. I think this could, I think this could go either way, but I, I am leaning more towards Denver. I'm kind of scared right now, but I'm sticking with my gut of Portland um, originally. I, I mean, though, the thing that just scares me is that, you know, you, you have no defense on the floor for the Blazers. Um, and you're well, playing. Nuggets, I mean, I, they're not, they, they, there's, no. it's the same thing with Denver, though, dude. It's, okay, but they don't have anyone to match. Like, I know they have no one to match Lillard, but they have no one to match Jokic. They have but the series has been real them. simple, though, Frank. I mean, I just, the series has been real simple. It's been who shot the three by a substantial margin better. In they have no three. size on the floor, and they try and throw double teams at these guys. And it just doesn't work. Yesterday it's, it was Denver that shot better from three. And that, that was just the, the story of yesterday's game. I mean, when you make 23s, it's hard to beat anybody. I mean, it's hard to win. I mean, the, the Utah Jazz averaged the most threes made a game at, at 16.6 per game in the regular season, regular season. Denver made 20. So they would, I mean, that's way above the, the best team in the league at shooting three. So it's just tough. You can't win when you're allowing that many shots. I mean, to fall. For sure. But I think that's a, a part of what the doubles that are coming to Jokic. It's soft double teams. That come to Jokic, that is a, and he but, gets the ball out of his hands quickly. And it's an easy basket for these guys. It's wide open shots. So. I mean, if you're going to double, you got to double aggressively. You got to make Jokic make a quick decision with the basketball. He's a pretty slow moving player. So if you could double aggressively and make him make a bad decision, he could maybe possibly start turning the ball over and change something around. But, you know, it sucks that the Blazers don't have an actual big they could throw at him. Having a big that can collapse over him and be the same size as him and guard him out on the perimeter would be great. And then throwing Look, a guy like I think, like, I know for games one and two, Portland really didn't double team Jokic until last night, like a whole lot. And as a result, Jokic only had one assist in game one. That's the thing, though. You don't double team. I don't know why Terry Scott went back to double teaming Jokic more heavily in game three. You don't double team Jokic, in my opinion, because I, I don't, you let him, you know, go one on one, let him cook you, let him go off for 45 for all yeah, he's, he's too good of a passer to double team him. Yeah, it's like, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I preach. Mm-hmm. And it's too good of a passer, like you guys said. And then it just creates a wide open jump shot. It's a lot easier for role players like Austin Rivers and Camposito to make wide open jump shots when there's, you know, no one within five feet of them. Take time to set their feet and release the basketball. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like in warm-ups. You yeah, make a- the, the Nuggets had, I mean, so the definition of wide open NBA is uh, six feet plus. They had like, I believe, I'm looking at this right, 22 threes classified as wide open threes last night yeah, out of 38. Bad. I mean, that's bad. That's but terrible. in my eyes, that's just a lack of effort. Like, I get it. Some of the times you're going to double team and there's going to be a lot of position. But, like, I just feel like if you run and you close out harder, like, that's just inexcusable to have 22 wide open three-pointers. That's just that's just bad defense. I think it's bad coaching by stops. That's why he's on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's, Scott uh, should be fired. He she should be fired. By the way. Yeah, he's gone. Let's uh, let's let's hit on another topic here. We've seen this twice in the past couple of days where fans have been heckling players. First, we saw it. The Sixers fan dop- dumped uh, popcorn and I think beer on Russell Westbrook, and he was ready to charge the stands. He had like five different security guards holding him back. And then the Nick and then uh, the other night, a Knicks fan spit on Trey Young. So. Are the NBA fans taking this too far with like disrespecting the players and like heckling them? What do we think? Um. Well, look. So there's two different incident uh, incidences. I think the Knicks one was worse. To be honest, I, I, spitting on somebody is just it's just just fucking disgusting. I mean, you should not spit on. I think that was a violation. I mean, I don't think you spit because, I mean, I believe if you spit on someone in public, isn't that a crime? You can get arrested. Like you can generally get arrested for spitting on someone in public. So. And the fact that, I mean, you know where you're at. You're in an NBA game. Be respectful and just, I mean, is that really how to ask not to spit on somebody? Like, the spit, that's just disgusting, bro. Like, your spit is nasty. Get, get the fuck out of here with that shit. I mean, and then the Sixers fan one, I do agree that was, a, I mean, that was pretty bad, right? And I guess technically you could be arrested, right, for that. I think in public, if you were to actually, like, put, I, it's technically, because I think the spit is as battery and then the um, popcorn dumping is like assault. That wasn't as bad as a spit, but I mean, still, I mean, you have to know where you are at an NBA game. Just all they ask is to be respectful. And I know Philly fans, I mean, we, they have that kind of, that oh, they have a bad them. rep for sure. They we have that label that. on them. So am I, am I surprised? I didn't know, but I think both these, you shouldn't really do it. I think they did take it too far. I will say the next one was worse though. The spit. Well, I believe both of them have been banned for life. Yes. From the, from their respect, just from all NBA arenas, I think. 
So that's here's the thing I don't get. I saw somebody on Twitter point this out. Like, how much does a beer and a popcorn cost at a Sixers playoff game? Like 18 bucks, and you're just gonna throw all that money away just to just throw it at Russell Westbrook and make throw him mad? Like, money away. That just seems like a waste to me. It does. I mean, it does. It is. And you yeah. get, you get I wanted to see Malice in the Palace part too, because if there was a guy in the NBA willing to do that, it would be Russ. That's for sure. And that's, that's what I'm saying. We're also forgetting about the Jazz uh, Grizzlies incident where John Morant's uh, parents were at the game and his brother, and they were saying apparently racist stuff towards them while they were at the game. That's nothing new for Utah fans. I mean, it's, that's that's just yeah, but dude, Christ, like it's the kid's father, like it's this father and the son, like you're and you're cursing them off during the game because you know that they're John Morant's like uh, relatives. Like, come on, have a little respect. I mean, the guys yeah, are great. Cool. Joke about the Jazz fans, but they just kind of like bring it on themselves and they keep doing stuff like this. Yeah, the Jazz fans are just racist. Well, they bring it on themselves. They're just actually racist. I mean, I, there's nothing to it. I know, but like, I, I like it's like it used to almost just kind of be like a joke. The Jazz fans are like racist, but now it's like a real thing. Like they they just keep doing stuff like this. It's just like it's just it's just. Oh, well, man. so this game, the Jazz game, was that the same night of those other two games? Because yeah, I, it was game I, two, I think. So we, I mean, my mistake because I didn't really hear much about this. I think because I was watching was the, the same sports shows. Yes, it was the same that as both games. Sports shows were about the Russell Westbrook and Trey Young thing. Maybe I just missed it, but I, I, that's yeah. crazy. I saw it on Twitter yesterday because I saw Dwayne Wade and the Jazz like owner and general manager apologizing to John Morant like and his family and stuff and said it's unacceptable. It, it but, is. Yeah, I mean, this is just like I feel like it's kind of a fact that people have like cabin fever. They've been in the house too long and they just don't know how to act in public anymore. Like, dude, you can't throw. Who, why, like, why would you spit on Trey Young? We just, like, we won the game, dude. Like, who cares? They really hate Trey Young. It's kind of weird, actually. Like, That's a, like the treatment you'd almost expect somebody like LeBron to get, not Trey Young. I don't know. I mean, it's just the Knicks fans are very provocative. And then, dude, why would you dump popcorn on the guy? The guy just got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt too. That's actually that's why it's even worse. Actually, I just I hurt. He's walking yeah, the game. You gotta dump popcorn on him. Eat the goddamn popcorn. So the more I think about it, you're right, Frank. They should be banned for life because. I mean, the Jazz fan, I mean, that guy should just be banned for life, obviously, for obvious reasons. They should, and they have been banned for life from yeah, they all have been banned for life. So good for, mm-hmm. I mean, good. That's what you get. Because at the end of the day, when you go to an NBA game or any sporting event for that matter, I mean, you sign up for this, guys. Yeah, you want to act like a toddler, then you and don't. It, like Russ said, if you if that happened on the street where you were just pumped, uh, you know, dumping popcorn on Russ's head, Bro, Russ is popping you in the fucking face, bro. Russ is going to pop you in the fucking face in real fucking life. The guy wouldn't do that to him if it was just him and Russ on the street, though. That's the thing. And that's why it's a violation because Russ is defenseless. He's, he can't mm-hmm. – he, he's on the high ground, so he can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. So, I mean, it just messed up. But And the Wizards, I mean, and they, they won the game. So why do they get – like, that's the note. They get so mad. They just won a 25-point game where Ben Simmons had a game of his life. And now instead of talking about Ben Simmons and his great performance, we talk about this. It's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. But, yeah, only have the fans to blame for that one. And the fans – yeah, the fans – and Frank's kind of right with that. It's been the ca- it's been that cabin fever, but I mean, Frank, they've done this before too. I mean, this is not. Oh, I know, but the people, Jazz fans have done this before. Act like they forgot how to learn how to act in public. Like you got to have some goddamn respect. And look like, at the cities. It's been Utah, which I mean, we know their history with that. New York and Philly. I mean, these are the cities we've known. They've done this forever. I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, and Boston just, will do it tonight to Kyrie. Uh, you know oh, what? tonight's gonna be a nightmare with Kyrie. I can't yeah. even imagine what that's gonna be like. And, and 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 the thing is, Kyrie comes out and says that it's gonna happen. It, they're not even gonna hide it. It's gonna happen tonight. Like they're not even gonna and hide. They're it. gonna do it even more. Oh yeah, because he he. I can't even imagine the things they're gonna say to him and throw at him, and there's gonna be so many boos. Well, I think Kyrie said it's right, dude. You can chant like you're like let's say like you're like um. I, don't, I think like you can make fun of his basketball free agency decision of like, oh, like you're a traitor. Like, yeah, like you're a tra- like if you said, oh, you want, to, yeah, like that's fine. You're a traitor, like for like leaving Boston after you said you want to stay in Boston your whole career. That's fine. But Kyrie's right. Just keep it to basketball, man. Like, like just, like, dude, you can say, like, I think even Trey's balding is not bad. Like, that's not bad. I mean, like, dude, it's, it's harmless. It's a chant. It's funny. I think it's Trey's ball. That's a funny chant. It's funny. Or like, even like, and I know people get mad, but I think like, F Trey Young, I don't think that's that bad either. I, I really don't. That's fine because you're not throwing something at it. Just if, as long as you're not being saying like a really either um you know I would say a racist term or throwing something at something at someone, then you're it's fine. You can you know say Kyrie, you're a traitor. Kyrie's a traitor or whatever. Kyrie sucks. Like that's fine, dude. But just keep it the basketball. And I think that's what Kyrie said earlier um in his press conference. Yeah, yeah but they're not going to keep the basketball. This is 
like I would say one level b- below, like LeBron returning back to Cleveland when he signed with Miami. Like I just well, they feel like, the, the, the glass, the glass bottle. Like they, they're like, like glass. Yeah, I just, like, I just feel like Kyrie's not going to be like received well tonight by the Boston fans. And this is his first. Isn't this his first game? Because he's always dodged. Yeah, he sat. He sat out all the other out, games. Yeah, he's always sat out. Adds fuel to the fire. And now it's a playoff game too. And now he said it in the press conference too. Like, oh, like, dude, just please, what? Like, you brought, you had to rebring it up again just to give them more shit to no, say. No, I don't think I, I blame Kyrie for that because I think Kyrie maybe perhaps prevent. Like, I don't. I think Kyrie, what he said is fine because he gave it. He brought attention to it because. I think that's fine. I mean, he would have got it either way, Frank. He would have got it either way. I mean, I don't think, I think what he did was, and Marcus Smart even actually attested to the fact that, you know, he's heard things, some uh, racist things from Boston Celtics fans, which is just, I mean, crazy from your own players. And he said, I mean, it's like, damn, how could they cheer for me on the court and then, you know, speak about me? I mean, it's terrible. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight in Boston. I hope it's basketball and it might be basketball. You know, we might get a, a pleasant surprise because just because there is so much attention to it that they might just be like, you know what, we're not going to do anything, but you know, who knows security I'm sure will be on their ass tonight. I'm sure they're, they're going to do something. They're going to do something. We'll see. We'll see. We'll have to, I honestly don't think we'll, I mean, I don't even want to speak because we could see some, you know, pretty messed up actions tonight. Um, and lastly, speaking of messed up actions, but this is more of a little, a bright spot. We got a little bit of Kwame Brown's mama's cooking, uh, a little topic you were talking about earlier that, uh, you know, we were talking about for the podcast a little bit about, you know, Kwame Brown's mama's cooking, but pretty much to put it pretty shortly. Um, I mean, Kwame Brown goes live for like multiple hours a day. So if we're missing, you know, facts, then, you know, look, blame it on me, but pretty much just all- YouTube, he had like eight hours of footage uploaded in the last 24 hours alone. Exactly. He uploads <laughs> the guy. Yeah. So, he wakes up, he live streams, and then he goes to sleep. I mean, that's what he yes. does. Yeah, so pretty much that's what he does. But this all kind of started because, as we know, Kwame Brown is the number one pick from the 2000 and, uh, 2001 draft or 2002 draft. It was one of those draft classes where he was selected number one overall. And obviously, he was known as one of the biggest busts in NBA history. He played 13 seasons in the NBA, but of course, no one really cares because his production was really bad um, during those 13 years and expectations of being the number one pick. It's all-stars. It's all NBA teams, it's championships, it's Hall of Fame, and obviously he didn't live, live up to that. But Kwame Brown, after like like eight years of being in the dark, not saying a word, has finally spoken up after the All the Smoke podcast, the podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. By the way, they're absolutely killing it. They're like number three in the world on the podcast. I mean, they're bone, but they're doing a fantastic job at that podcast. But basically, they were interviewing Los Angeles Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. And they were talking about the Pau Gasol trade, which uh, obviously sent Pau Gasol to the Lakers um, and Marcus Gasol and Kwame Brown to the Memphis Grizzlies. And Jeannie Buss brought up all three of the people's names. But then Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes said it was a one-for-one trade. It was a Pau Gasol for Marcus Gasol trade. And they were basically saying, you know, Kwame Brown doesn't count or he's not a real, he's not a real player. And, you know, they were laughing it off. But then I think the next – so he, Kwame Brown originally did not respond to that. He did not respond. He responded after they had Gilbert Arenas on their podcast then. And Gilbert Arenas, Matt Barnes, and Steven Jackson were then talking more smack to Kwame Brown, which then finally got Kwame Brown's attention where he said mom was cooking. He made a ton of accusations about Steven Jackson. I don't want to bring him up because we don't know if they're real or fake. I don't want to say anything bad about Steven Jackson because at the end of the day, until they're real, I'm not going to you know say any of the things he said. So he basically made a bunch of accusations about Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, Stephen A. Smith eventually got on this, you know, whole drama. Charlamagne the God, I mean, we know he has a pretty effed up past that actually had been proven to be real. So, I mean, shame on him. And then I think Rachel Nichols even got it. I mean, it's been crazy. There's been like five people that have gotten that mama's cooking from Kwame Brown. Um, and yeah, so Kwame Brown has gained his over 4,000 YouTube subscribers, so 300, almost 300,000 in just a and week. He's not going to become like a major social media presence. And the thing is, Connor Brown says he is making so much money from these donations. So he goes live streams and people send super chats in his bio. You know how many people probably just like send him five bucks. And people send, so people send, I watch his live stream. People send him like $250 super chats like every five minutes. Like this guy makes like a thousand dollars like every 10 minutes. 
Like he played in the NBA for 12 seasons. Does he really need money? Well, dude, people are just giving. I mean, does, do Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson really need money? Their podcast yeah, might be making a ton more of money. money. Yeah, like, like having people cash after them. Though. I don't gonna, know. He's going to make more money in these next six months doing this than he's going to make in his entire NBA career. But the thing is, though, Matt, so I hate when people say, like, why is it he's, you know, he just wants the money because he's, you know, he's, he's bankrupt now, or whatever. But I mean, I don't think he is bankrupt. You know, he's not. He's actually not. That's the thing. But people will say that. But then technically what Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson do with their podcast, that's just for money, right? Because they're using their NBA career and their experiences in the NBA to talk about it and make money and monetize off that. We know all the smoke. I mean, that was the number one rated podcast in sports for like so long. And it's now number three. Mm-hmm. That makes a shit ton of money. I mean, they make tons of money and they don't hide it either. They build a studio that's like, I mean, fucking nice as shit in Los Angeles. So, I mean, if he if they could do it, why can't Kwame do it? Yeah, I just hope that like Kwame like explodes from this in terms of popularity, and then he just gets a segment on first take with Stephen A. I just think oh, that would be the, I just, I just think that'd be the greatest thing ever. They we've can't all seen that clip. on television. They can't have that on television. We, we've all seen the clip of Stephen A. ripping apart Kwame Brown. He has no hands. He has no footwork. Like all this crazy stuff. I just oh man, that would be the greatest. They can't put that on TV. They can't. They can't you're right. He's, he's not going to not curse. He doesn't give a shit. He will, he'll curse. Yeah, you watch his lives. He curses so much times. Like, he, he'll literally say, like, this motherfucker. Like, he, he yeah. is ruthless. He is ruthless. But, I mean, look, obviously, you know, so I want to ask you guys this. So, um, you know, Kwame Brown obviously has become this kind of superstar overnight. I mean, he's practically like i mean fame i mean he's always been famous so he's just a mega star i guess uh, a social media mega star but you know with those being said do you expect like darko milicic to come out here and maybe you know him or yeah. more bust to speak up about this because i heard so many nba players like for example um i saw a po- so let me let me get this up real quick because there's four nba players on a podcast ryan hollins was on it they had a, a three other nba players who were on it um and they were defending Kwame brown so many NBA players are defending Kwame Brown coming to his defense. So, yeah. The difference between, like, Kwame Brown and a guy like Darko Milicic is, like, one, nobody cares about Milicic as much. Two. Well, if Milicic came out and, like, started, like, beefing, he, people would care. I don't know, but, like, the thing, the thing with Kwame Brown, like, he's always been so famous because, like, he, he, like, was basically drafted by Michael Jordan with the Wizards and, like, mentored yeah. by him. Like, he played with Kobe for so many years, so he was on the Lakers. Like, he was just always, like, in the spotlight. He's so spotlight. big. Like, yeah. like, does anybody even know where Darko Milicic is right now? Probably not. Probably well, I saw he's on like a farm in Europe. Like he's like with his dad in Europe. I, yeah, I exactly. Know. So he's not even in America. So no, he's not. He's not going to blow up. Maybe like a guy like Greg Odin, if he came out and like started to like. <laughs> or what about like Anthony- Ohio State though? Isn't he a coach for Ohio State, Greg Odin? Like he's already like kind of like in the spotlight sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if he's a head coach, but isn't like not yeah, a head coach. coach? Or like he's he's on like the, the thing, right? I saw yeah. him. He's like a part of the Ohio State basketball team. Uh, the difference between like Greg Oden is like he was his knees were just fucked up. Like we don't know like was fantastic wise how bad he was or how good he was. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. The thing that's suspect is though to me is Kawhi Kawami Brown really didn't say anything for a while. And you know, people were talking shit about this guy forever. Like I mean, they never stopped talking shit about Kawami Brown. So like I don't know. I would love to hear his reasoning on why he's like because I, I've heard some things about, like, obviously, like, I, we were talking about earlier, how he didn't discover YouTube until a couple months ago. I would actually like, because, like, he's been live for so much, I don't know the full reasoning why, he, like, this happened. I would love to know, I mean, I'm sure he's already said it, I would love to know why he actually just started to go on this rampage. Um, right now, I think it's pretty foul reason, because I think Kwame Brown has gained, I, I think he's doing this at a good intention, and like, I don't think he's doing this for, like, the clout or anything like that. I think he actually wants to get this off his chest. I think he means everything he said. I think yeah, it's- I, mean, I think he deserves it because he's not like a bad person. He was just a bad basketball player. But like that doesn't, you know, like that doesn't necessarily mean he deserves to be like treated the way he has been his whole career. But I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, so anyone see the Stephen A. World thing where he was just like showing those lowlights for two minutes about Kwame Brown? And that's the thing, though, dude. At that point, they're not even making fun of his basketball skills. They're just using his name for like. They're mm-hmm. just using clicks. I mean, though, oh, you can make fun of his basketball skills, call him a bust. But Frank, he sat up there for two minutes on his show, Stephen A's World, and show low lights. I mean, what other athlete has that happen to him? You've never seen like them show two minute Saquon Barkley low lights or any player. I mean, I'm just using a random, a random name. You haven't seen two minute, you know, let's say for example, Greg Odin low lights. Like you just haven't seen that. But I mean, that's why. Well, I mean- 
Well, I mean, was, you know, is the first guy that's kind of giving the heat back to them, you know? It's, I like that, though. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, that's going to be it for the Sneaky Sports Podcast. Let's go over our quick little re-pick, recap of how many games will, have be, will be done um, before the next podcast episode we did it last time. I believe each series will have a minimum of three. Each series will have a, yeah, a minimum of three. And I believe six of the series will have four games. Yes, yeah, six series will have four games done. The it's only not the Sixers series, not the Sixers or the Jazz series, Jazz Grizzlies. So the one eights will have four games done yet. Mm-hmm. The Nets will be the second round by uh by our next podcast. The Nets and the Bucks matchup will be set for the second round. Yeah. Maybe the Mavericks are the Mavericks in the second round. We'll have to see it. We'll, we'll it know. Be. I don't know if it'll be in four though. But yeah, um, that's so. Basically, all the series will have four games done by our next podcast. Look forward to chatting about that. Um, and peace, guys. Mixed lead 3-1.